Thanks for being with us this morning. Uh, I am so excited to talk to my next guest. He is the author of a book called Selling Dead People's Things. And the cover is a little bit gruesome, but there's a lot of humor in the book as well. Dwayne Scott Cerny is on the line with us. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. <laughs> so tell me how you even got started in uh, along this line and what led to uh, writing the book Selling Dead People's Things. Um, I would do a lot of writing about a, a lot of other d- different uh, topics, um, and I'd never really written about what I do. I've been doing it in antique dealer for some um, 30 years. And, uh, and I, I, I wrote a, a story based on uh, um, a very unusual uh, estate sale that I went to, so it was all true, and um, got picked up in the New York Times and, and created a bit of a stir. <laughs> and I realized I kind of stumbled onto something. People wanted to hear the backstory. Um, about uh, people and, and objects. And so the book isn't about values of things. I always say there's thousands of books out there uh, in the antiques and collectibles, and it's all about identifying what things are and what they're worth. That's not this book. <laughs> this is about people and their things and why they collect things and what they collect. And so it's kind of my best stories from uh, my 30 years of doing this. I love one of the lines, and this is close to the beginning of the book, but you write, look around your home. There is nothing random about your surroundings and the items with which you choose to share your life. You found or bought or inherited these objects, right? Uh, very Correct. true. Yes. Um, yeah, there's nothing, there's, there's nothing happenstance about that. You, you create your own world, and there's nothing more private and intimate than your own home and what you surround yourself with, and it, be it decor um, or you know, even what you wear <laughs> with people buying vintage clothing. Um, yeah, there's, there's, there's nothing random about that. You did that, and that says everything about you. You, you talk about uh, being an antiques dealer. How has it changed in that? Do people still seek out and want antiques? Oh, there's really a, a rebirth in the antique business. Uh, young people are, are embracing this. I've noticed the last, wow, probably three, four years, uh, you know, the... Um, reintroduction of vinyl into the marketplace. <laughs> um, vinyl and, and vintage clothes, young people are, are really into the fashions, and I kind of call those the gateway collectibles, because once they come in and then start buying those things, and then they say, hey, that you know, mid-century lamp is really cool, that's like you know, something from Mad Men, <laughs> um, or uh, you know, a chest of drawers, why should I buy something at Ikea when I can get something um, solid, <laughs> not knocking Ikea. Um, it's, it's alternative. And also, the antique business, the vintage business, is the, is the greenest business you can be in. So people feel good about, young people feel good about buying vintage. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's green. <laughs> it doesn't get any better than that. That is, that is true. Do people, do you think, though, that people often value their antiques or value their things, uh, whether you've inherited them or wherever they came from? Do they, do they value them more than what they are actually worth? Um, yeah, because I, I think people, rather, uh, it's understandable, it's human nature. Um, you, you kind of uh, in, inject um, uh, your, your own personal value into something. It means so much to me. Um, dot, 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 and then there's a dollar sign with a plus. <laughs> so it should be worth more because it means so much to me. Um, yet, of course, the market doesn't reflect that. Um, yeah, I, I, I always say, you know, the objects, they just go on and on. We're the interchangeables. So objects have no uh, acknowledgement of value. 
how could they, right? <laughs> so, so, but it's as as uh, individuals, yeah, we tend to kind of uh, uh, aggrandize the uh, the value of things that we're very um, closely aligned with. Right, and and really, when it comes down to, it, if you're selling something, uh, something is only worth what somebody will pay for it. Exactly. When you talk a bit more about the book, because I think people uh, last year or actually it wasn't last year, it was a few years ago. We had a, an author on who wrote um, They Left Us Everything and it was chronicling her year of going through her family home, which was chock full of furniture and antiques and knickknacks and what have you. Uh, do people how do people deal with that? Or, or you talk about the stories in your book, but how do people kind of wrap their heads around dealing with the volume of, of these things when suddenly you're left with a house filled with stuff? It, it it's um, very overwhelming <laughs> and even when it's happened to myself in my own life and you think I would handle it better or differently and I didn't <laughs> um, you need you need you need help you need friends <laughs> you need professionals um, uh, you can't you can't do it yourself and and it really comes down to to sorting things out so you know, things that should be recycled should be recycled so people are hesitant to throw out I mean, sometimes literally garbage. <laughs> you need to throw out the garbage. So it's a, it's a lot of sorting. It's process. And, and the number one thing I tell people is give yourself enough time. I, 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 daily I get phone calls from people and say, I've, I have this house I need it cleared out in three days. <laughs> There's a three-week wait of a team for people to even to do that. <laughs> Those people are there and can help you, but it takes time. And when you rush through things, you make mistakes. And I know that's always people's big fear. So, oh my gosh, I'm going to sell something too cheaply or, or donate something that was uh, you know, worth some money. Give yourself some time. Don't, don't get rushed into things because you'll make bad decisions. Well, I have my mother passed away five years ago and I still have totes filled with cream and sugars because she collected cream and sugars. Mm-hmm. And that's that inner voice is like, well, you have to go through them because some this might be worth something. Well, no, they're not worth anything. They were collected from garage sales and what have you. But it's still that process of the physical actually going through it. And, and it can be difficult. Oh, it's and, oh, it's, it's, it's incredibly emotional. It's, it, yeah, yeah, you're, 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 I'm sure you'll hit one specific cream or sugar, and it, you'll flash into memories about your mom over a certain breakfast, which is just wonderful, but it slows you down, right? <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> and you put off doing it. Um, I always say, too, you know, people uh, will pre-plan their funerals, but they don't pre-plan um, the disposition of all these items. And even if you... If you just start <laughs> while you're still above ground, um, you're doing your uh, family uh, s- such a great um, benefit uh, because then it's, it's less for them to deal with. And again, you, the, the better decisions are made. Oh, exactly. And it can seem, I suppose, a bit a bit dark, but uh, there are families that put stickers on things or a bit of masking tape with a name on it that when I'm gone, this is yours. Whether you want it or not, this is coming to you. Right. What they do with it after that <laughs> is, 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 is their business. Right. Um, and, and yet there's other people going and saying, wait a minute, there, there, I thought there was a spinning wheel in the attic. Where did that go? <laughs> <laughs> so people come, will remember the most obscure things that are in, in, you know, in a house. Um, and they wanted that. Well, you can talk about it. Have a dialogue with, 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 your, with your family, with your children. Uh, the, the book itself, uh, it's, the, a lot of the reviews talk about how it's, it, it's very humorous. How were you able to uh, deal with something, which is, it can be a very difficult time for people. It can be a very sad time and still be able to weave humor through it. 
I, I, I think um, I'm a very uh, positive person, and I'm a, I'm a very empathic person. I really listen to what, what people need. Um, and I, I think the book very much reflects life, in that life, life is sad, but life is also very funny, often in the oddest moments, and it's inexplicable. <laughs> um, and you just kind of roll with it. I, I, think my, I, I think I'm kind of uniquely qualified to do this strangely <laughs> um, because I bring that energy and that um, positive nature and, yeah, humor um, in, into situations. And, you know, it breaks the ice. It just breaks the ice. And I always encourage people, to, you know, you know, tell me about tell me about your dad. And invariably, they'll tell me some great story. And you know, and we laugh and we cry, and then we get to, we get through with all this stuff. <laughs> so humor humor is a great device in uh, dealing with sadness. Uh, you start to, in the first chapter as well. It starts with you getting this phone call to uh, an espra- uh, sprawling estate. What is that like for you as an antiques dealer when you get that call when that, that first contact when you go to these estates? Um, well, oftentimes people don't want to tell us much, which is understandable. So I really don't know what I'm walking into. Um, so we people, you know, always people think, talk about hoarder houses. Mm-hmm. Well, there's high-end hoarders as well. <laughs> and that's what that was, that particular story. Um, um, I, 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 I don't have any expectations anything can happen. But I do try to be, uh, my end of it was, is being prepared that I have the people to help me, vehicles, muscle, <laughs> things that need to be moved, uh, gloves, boots, um, you know, you, anything, anything can happen. And then, then also we photograph things and document things. Um, so what's, what it's like is I just try to be prepared for it and just try to be open to the experience. And there's so much coming at you. I mean, not just objects, but, you know, of course, really the most important thing is our people. And that's really what, really what the book is about. It's about people and objects. So, you know, I just I just try to keep myself open to the experience. And how how soon do you know when you walk into a scenario like that? Uh, we talk about a hoarder house or a, a, an eclectic hoarder. Do you know right away? Are you able to scan the room and know? Yes, there are going there are there are treasures in here, or no, this is all crap. <laughs> um, well, I, I, I really can't say that. You know, I'm, I'm certainly not intuitive in that, and there's always surprises. Um, so and 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 you know, people often just you know say oh there's just all these old magazines and paper and stuff like that, um, but ephemera uh, can absolutely be worth money. Um, as we just mentioned earlier, you know vinyl. Some would say oh you know who wants who, who wants all those records from the 80s? Well, well every kid born in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, no, it just um, I, I really never know what uh, what I'm going going to find. Uh, but that's also what what makes it fun. And did the story turn out the way you thought it would when you sat down to write it? Uh, well, it was funny. Um, <laughs> no, actually, um, I, I did. I did that class. I did. I, I did that. Uh, the, the writing of that story initially in a writing class in New York, and it was roundly rejected that I had written fiction. <laughs> I was so proud of myself till I performed it, and people said, you, you, just, you can't make stuff up. Um, and I said, no, no, that really happened. And I thought, I have failed. I need to write this in a way that convinces people that this happened. And I can assure you, to get something into the New York Times, it's vetted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it happened. Uh, all the details are, are, are checked off. 
So no, no, it t- it, t- it took any number of uh, versions of it to, for me to get it right, and that was that was that, you know the onus was on me to tell the story as accurately as possible so that um, people could get it. And um, it, yeah, it's, it, you know, it opens the book. It's a very powerful story, and it says a lot about so many things, and especially preconceptions we have of others. So I'd say I walk into a house, I, I have no judgment. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, I try to be as open-minded as possible because anything can happen. That is true. Uh, what's next for you? Um, well, I've been doing um, a lot of interviews, <laughs> a lot of podcasts all over the world, actually. Um, I've got some ideas on, on, on a second book, uh, but I want to be uh, loyal to this. This has taken me five years to get out there. Um, and I just want as many people to uh, read it as possible, and I uh, love to hear feedback. Uh, people love to tell me stories, and again, I love to listen. <laughs> All right. Well, it uh, it's a fascinating tale. Uh, Dwayne Scott Cerny, thank you so much for joining us uh, for this time this morning. I appreciate it. Thank you. This is fun. <laughs> All right. Have a great rest of your weekend.